Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. Hey, you can be seated. This morning, we continue our series, This Year I Will. And what we're at Adventure After is, how is the Spirit of Jesus challenging you, prompting you this year? Not, not what are your goals, what is, what is the Spirit of Jesus prompting you to move towards this year? Last week, we talked about, this year I will share my Jesus story. Today, we're going to talk about committing to the owner's manual this year. And we have a guest speaker here from Bayside of Adventure. Right now, Bayside is running operations for my alma mater, Adventure Roseville. Uh, I think that'll only be for a season, and eventually uh, Adventure will be independent again. But today, we have their high school pastor who's come to share God's word to us. And I'm excited about him because he's young. I like being around young preachers. And uh, young to me is anyone, you know, in below 40. <laughs> uh, but anyways, he, his, here's his story. He's a college football player that played at Feather River Community College. He actually played against Butte where Aaron Rodgers' brother was playing. And uh, he's originally from Susanville, uh, which he'll tell you a little bit about this morning. He played football there and had multiple ACL uh, surgeries to the point where he couldn't get another. And he felt like God, sounds like last Sunday's story, if you were here, God called him into the ministry. And the best thing he's got going for him is his wife, Sasha, who is a William Jessup University grad in psychology, and uh, she's with us here this morning. Will you raise your hand? Sasha's here. I asked them about their family, and they said they have a pit bull named Hazel that's dear to them. I think you're going to enjoy today. Hopefully you laugh a little, because I laughed big time last service. Welcome Shane Marks, would you? How's everybody doing? Oh, we got to wake up a little bit. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Well, my name is Shane. You already know my life story, so no need to tell that. No, but I do have a pit bull named Hazel. She's like a kid. We treat her like a kid. We buy her way too much stuff. Uh, She sleeps in a little dog bed right next to our bed so I can check on her in the middle of the night to make sure she's sleeping okay. Uh, When she gets sick, I spend way too much money at the vet to take care of her. Some of you are, like, mad that I love animals so much right now. But I'm a huge dog lover, uh, and we have a pit bull. And there's this whole thing. I'm going way off script here. But there's this whole thing of this, like, concept of pit bulls. Like, I wanted a pit bull because I wanted a dog that when I, as a big bearded man, walked down the street with a pit bull, people would be like, oh, wow, that guy's intimidating. And his dog's intimidating. Like, yeah. So I get this pit bull, and I have the biggest, so it's raining. She is terrifying. She is not intimidating. She is not, she is the weak, so it's raining. She is terrified of water. So we usually let our dogs, we let her go out to go to the bathroom in our backyard. And this morning, my wife is out in the pouring rain with the door open saying, Hazel, come here. Come here. And the dog's like, I can't go. And like, like we're going to be gone all day. Get out here and go to the bathroom. She comes out. She like tiptoes out. And she gets out and she goes to the bathroom really quick and runs inside. You know, she, and like people, I, I tell people, go to my house. Grab this out of my house. My dog has never seen them before. They, they walk in and she just like, <laughs> like, what kind of guard dog are you? Today we're talking about the owner's manual. Um, there is, there's multiple ways that God speaks to us. He, God speaks to us through others. He speaks to us through people in our life. He speaks to us through, through pastors who are communicating the word, to people who are just around us. He speaks to us that way. He speaks to us through, with his Holy Spirit directly. 
and um, he just, he'll say something to us, and we'll, it will change the direction. He also speaks to us through our, his word. We're going to talk about his word today, which we are calling the owner's manual, which I think is cool, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But let's pray, and let's get started. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We just thank you for today. I pray that you would just be here in this room with us, that you would speak, that it would not be my words, but yours, Father God. I pray that we would leave this room different than we came in. Father God, bless today in your holy name. Amen. So bear with me today. I am sick. I've been fighting a cold for a couple days. My nose is super congested, so you're going to hear a lot of this today. So don't get upset. I'm going to drink a lot of water. Why is it important? to read the owner's manual. T.D. Jakes has a great quote. He says, you must understand your enemy because you cannot defeat what you do not understand. We all know as if you're in a Christian for any time, and even if you aren't a Christian, you're in this room and you don't know Jesus yet, you know that there's an enemy. You've lived in America, so you've heard the word enemy and you've heard the word Jesus before. We know there's an enemy out there. The Bible, the owner's manual, gives us tools to defeat the enemy. But T.D. Jake says it perfectly. We cannot defeat what we do not understand. If you do not understand your enemy, you cannot defeat it. Being a college football player, we would spend all week training to go to battle against our enemy, the opposing team. We would train and train. We watched film on the opposing team. I would know everything that that person across from me was going to do. If I showed up to that game and I wasn't prepared, I hadn't watched any film, I hadn't practiced, I was not going to operate at my best potential and the enemy would probably prevail. You cannot defeat what you do not understand. John 10, 10 says this. If you have your Bibles turned there, if not, it's going to be on the screen. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. There's two parts if you have your Bibles I want you to underline. The word steal and the word kill. In the Greek, the word steal is actually interpreted as klepto. Anybody know what that word is? Klepto. Anybody know a klepto? (laughs) Anybody sitting next to one? Don't point them out. I, I I, I, I knew a klepto once in college. One of my roommates was a klepto. I didn't know it at first, but it would just always, like, stuff would just go missing from my room. And one day I walk into his room, and there's, like, ten of the same thing that has never been opened. He has, like, 18 boxes of Cheetos that are untouched. I'm like, why are you doing this? I can't help it. I just need to take things. The devil's the same way. The word says he comes to steal. It says he is a klepto. It means that he already has a lot of people. But he's not satisfied. He wants you. He cannot be satisfied. His job, he is driven to steal you away from God. Because he can't help it. And the word kill is also interpreted, interpret, okay, uh, (laughs) as the word sacrifice. Hear this. If you're going to write something down, write this down. What the enemy cannot steal from you, what he cannot be a klepto about to you, He will convince you to sacrifice. He will convince you to give it up. See, because the enemy cannot steal your marriage. But he can make you think that it's not worth trying and you give it up. He cannot steal your faith. But he can make you think that it's a lie and it's not true and give it up. He can throw stuff in your life that makes it really hard and you give it up. The devil cannot make you a bad father or a bad mother. 
But he can put stuff in your life that make you think that it's too stressful and too hard and you give it up. See, the devil is all about making us try to sacrifice things that God has given us at the altar of him. So what we're going to talk about today is defeating the enemy and how we do that. And the first thing on how we do that is we get into the owner's manual. The Bible is our owner's manual. In Ephesians 6, 16 and 17, it says this. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Such a great verse. Before I go into that verse, I just want to talk about this concept of owner's manual. I think it's beautiful. Because when you think of an owner's manual, if you go buy a refrigerator, which I just purchased, you buy a refrigerator, and you open the box, there's a little pamphlet in there that says owner's manual on it. And that pamphlet was created by the creator of that refrigerator to fit perfectly to that refrigerator. The Bible is our owner's manual that was created by the creator for us that knows exactly what we are, exactly what we're called to be, exactly what we are going to be deceived with. He knows exactly our identity. That song, Good, Good Father, says it beautifully. The Bible tells us that he is a good father, and the Bible tells us that we are his, and he is ours. Our identity is shown to us through our owner's manual. Anybody ever, anybody ever, uh, and I know some guys in here, when they see that owner's manual, it just frustrates them. Any guys like, oh, I don't need instructions. I'm going to build it myself. And they build the kid's toy house, and it comes looking like a, like a, the leaning tower of kid land, and like, there's three buildings over here, and this building's falling apart, and they're just like, honey, look at how good I did. And your wife comes outside, and like, I don't think that's what it looked like, but it's what it looked like in my eyes. See, because the owner manual has the right way to build it. I'm the guy that, like, I'll be honest, I'm not too prideful to say this. I'm the guy that I think I should read the instructions and things. But I'll get around a group of guys that were like, hey, we don't need this stuff. And I'll be like, okay. So this screw, I'm thinking, should go, yeah, right there, yeah? Uh, the owner's manual knows the right way to do it. It knows exactly what it is. Our owner's manual knows exactly what we are and what we are called to do. That verse I just read, Ephesians 6, 16 and 17, it it compares the word of God to a sword. Roman soldiers, and you guys are in for a treat because I forgot to talk about this in the first service, so you're welcome. (laughs) Roman soldiers were trained in the art of battle to, when they would go to battle, to strike at a specific area that when they struck, the enemy would fall in one blow. They were actually given smaller blades than the enemies who had giant blades that they had pride in. They would come hacking like this. But Roman soldiers would march and march, and when it came time, they would know that area, and they would strike it. See, what our owner's manual does for us is that when the enemy comes attacking and he comes hacking at you, he says, you aren't worthy, you're a sinner, you're you're this, you're that. We get to strike back with a, no, I'm a child of the Most High God. When he tells you that you're worthless, that your life means nothing, we get to strike back with that shot of, I am called to something greater. It's a beautiful thing how the Roman soldiers were trained. 
Can you imagine what they were thinking when they went to battle with the small sword and not as much armor as their enemies? But they were so well trained, they knew where to strike to drop the enemy. See, a lot of problems Christians have is we come to church and we love Jesus. And we love to worship and stuff like that, but we are not getting trained in our owner's manual. So when the enemy says lies to you to get you to sacrifice something, instead of knowing where to strike, knowing the word of God, the word to say, the word of truth to go back against the enemy, we fall back and sacrifice. I see this all the time in high school students. I'm a high school pastor. And I see this all the time at summer camp. Summer camp is the best thing in the world. Summer camp is the place where you take high school students and you dehydrate them, you starve them, and you get them to the point of exhaustion. So on night six, when they are woozy and droopy-eyed and can't think straight, you say, who wants to accept Jesus? And all high school students, me, just get me out of here, me. And the truth is, is a lot of people get set on fire at high school camp. And high school students' lives are changed at high school camp, but they come back. They come back, and life goes back. When they go to school on Monday, the enemy starts the process of getting them to sacrifice. You don't need to keep your purity. Forget that commitment you made at camp. And for adults, it's the same thing. You come to work. But then Monday comes, and Tuesday comes, and if we don't know who we are by reading our owner's manual, if we don't have the sword to stab the enemy, we'll start to believe those lies. Some of you have been looking for answers for a long time when the answers are in here. You've been looking out there when they're right here. That leads us to our second point. The Bible is chemo to our sin. Cancer is a horrible thing. It's a It's a sickness that just takes way too many people. I know people who have passed away from cancer. There might be people in this room that are struggling with cancer at the time. But cancer is a horrible thing that attacks our body. Sin does the same thing to our spiritual life. The enemy knows that if if stuff is in our life that isn't from God and we weren't created to do, it will deteriorate our spiritual walk. So what the Bible does is when we open up the word, when we open up our owner's manual, We are injecting chemo to our disease. We are injecting the truth of the word of God against the enemy, against the sin problems in our life. You are, and what what chemo does is it it attacks cancer rapidly and hard. Our Bible tells us that where light is, darkness cannot live. So when you allow light into your life, the darkness cannot stay there. So when we open up our owner's manual, and we, let, we see things that change us, that we know we're doing wrong, the sin problems in our life, and we allow it to come into us, it attacks those sin problems aggressively to the point where eventually they're gone. Now, I wish I could tell you, you could read your Bible enough and you would never sin again. I used to think that. When I first gave my life to Christ, I thought, wow, okay, Read the Bible, read the Bible. I would look in this room. I went to a smaller church, and I'd look in the room, and there's so many people there. I'm like, man, I am horrible at this Christian thing because I sin. 
And I assumed everyone else in the room didn't sin. Like everyone else that came to church was perfect, and I was just like, I accepted Jesus, but I, I keep sinning. But as I continued to read the word, stuff in my life started to work itself out. Not where I stopped sinning altogether, but here's the key point. Sin stopped controlling my life. Some of you have been chained by sin for a long time. And it's time to have some chemo treatment. It's time to allow God to go into your life, your spiritual life, and start to break some chains. Break away things that are holding you back. And it's all right here. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, what if I told you when you came to me as a pastor and you told me, I'm struggling with this, I told you, I have the answer for you and it will go away. Wouldn't you want to know the answer? The truth is that we've all been given that. The creator wrote an owner's manual that shows us what our life is supposed to look like and anything that doesn't look like that isn't from him. So we know what's supposed to be out and what's supposed to be in. It's very simple. If we spend time in our word, we spend time in our owner's manual, sin will start to work its way out. You will not be sin-free, but you will not be controlled by sin. And that leads us to our third point. The Bible is our compass. Does everybody know what a compass is? Raise your hand if you know what a compass is. Oh, you guys are way smarter than the first service. They had no idea. I was like, what's a compass? They're like, it's on my phone, right? Like, but I don't have to explain it to you guys. A compass does what? It points north. There's that red arrow on compasses that points true north. And you make decisions based on your direction on where that arrow is pointing. So if the arrow is pointing north, if you want to go east, you would go this way, correct? Am I right? Yeah, Yeah. never eat shredded wheat. Okay, so you make decisions based on your northern direction. The Bible is the same thing. This Bible and the owner's manual always points north. It always points to God. The words in this book point to our Father. So we make decisions on how we live our life based on where this arrow points. We can either decide to follow the northern direction or veer east or west. I learned this in my first, when I first gave my life to Christ, as I started following him, I went to a small church, like I said, in Susanville. And Susanville is a very, very interesting town. Is there any Susanvilleites in here? Okay. It doesn't matter where you go. I could go to New York. And I'll say, hey, anybody been to Susanville? Yep. You want to know why? And I'm not saying this is you, okay? Is it's a prison town. Okay? It's a prison town. I, I was like, she's going to regret raising her hand. Uh, it's a prison town. And I always, when I was growing up in this town, I'd look at the population sign when you came in. I'm like, wow, we're big. Starbucks thought we were big, and they put two Starbucks in Susanville because they looked at the population sign. Little did they know that 8,000 of our 17,000 people were inmates. And 4,000 were correctional guards who worked at the prison. So I made a decision when I was living in Susanville. I was like, there's only two options I can go. I can either become a prison inmate or a prison guard. I'm going to the ministry. But I was in this small town and this church I gave my life to Christ in, they, I, start to, I start to 
allow the chemo to work in my life. One day, and I start to have sin come out of my life and work its way out. And one day, the senior pastor comes to me and says, hey, Shane, we don't have a youth pastor. What do you think about being a youth pastor? I said, you're wrong. If you knew me, you would not want that. Because I was new at this. I, 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 people would stand up. I, I, I was from a Pentecostal church, so you know, uh, people would jump and dance around and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm not there yet. You know, like, that's not me yet. Once I get there, I'll be ready. But I, just, I was like, he's like, you don't know why I want you to do this. Because I see how passionate you are about this book. And you read it and you allow it to change your life. You allow your compass to lead your life. And I want you to take our group of students through that. I want you to read it, tell them, see what happens. I said, okay, I can do that. Very nervous. First, first, weekend, first week we do service, we met on a Wednesday night at the pastor's house. There's six kids in the room. I'd studied, I'd prepared all week, and I'm sitting there giving my sermon, and the pastor's just in the kitchen like, I could feel him just like staring at me. And like, even, even like there'd be parts where I'd say something wrong. Hey, guys, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, that was wrong. This is right. Like, okay, give me, give me a chance. I was going to get there. Now, he would just do that. But then eventually, we started to grow. You want to know why? We didn't have lights. We didn't have the best worship. Actually, I led worship. But I was a rocker. I came from like the metal world. I don't know if you could tell. So what I did was, is I took old Christian songs and I turned them into Christian medals. And the students loved it. It, it sounded horrible. But, uh, <laughs> but we started with these six kids and all I did was I would read my Bible and I would say, God, this is the direction you're calling us to live our life. By your compass, this is where you're telling us to go. I would tell the students that. The word of God says this. By this, our life should do this. And students would start to do that. Eventually, we grew to 25, and we outgrew the pastor's house. Thank you. We moved into the church. I built a relationship with the high school quarterback of the football team. We start to talk about this, this book and this God, and I did the same thing. Based on this book that I believe is living and true and is the true word of God that can change your life, you are living this way, but the Bible is saying to live this way. And eventually, he got to a point where he said, Shane, is this book true? Because if it's true, i got to make a change. I got to lead him to Christ in that moment. I was there for a year. As I continued to read my compass and continued to allow God to lead my life, I got to a point where God told me, Shane, it's time for you to go to Bible college. You're doing great things here. But I have more for you and you need to spend some time learning. So I made the decision to move to Sacramento and I went to Capital Bible College. On my last night as youth pastor, I'm giving my last sermon and I look out into the crowd, which we had outgrown the little hobbit hole room they had put us in and we're now in the main sanctuary. Senior pastors kind of get a little nervous when students get into the main sanctuary. And it, it was rightfully so. I, I was horrible at disciplining my kids. I let them do anything. But what I did was I look out into the crowd and I look on my last day and I saw 125 high school students there. A group that started with six we didn't have the lights. We didn't have the show. All we had was the living word of God, and God worked. As I left to Sacramento, I just remember thinking, God, this is true. And it still works today. 
Even though it was written thousands of years ago, the words in here determine the direction of my life. You cannot defeat the enemy you do not know. Church, a lot of you came in here today looking for answers. When the answer is opening up your owner's manual. The enemy is trying to deter you from your goal. He's trying to say, this book says north, but the fun way is south. I didn't mean to do that, but that's kind of funny. South, get it down. (laughs) The fun way is south. The easy way is west, and the convenient way is east. But the word of God says north, and north is the only way. He's not just trying to give you to sacrifice your life. He's not just trying to get you to sacrifice your family. He's trying to get you to sacrifice your calling. He's trying to get you to sacrifice your direction because he cannot take that from you, but he can convince you to give it up. Some of you need to get back on true north. You need to allow this compass to direct your life again. One of the great theologians in our world today, Denzel Washington, (laughs) said these words. I'm joking. I don't, I'm not saying he's the greatest theologian in the world. He said these words, and it hit me. That every day, every night when I go to bed, I take my Bible, and I stick it under my bed. I stick it way underneath there with my shoes for the next day. So when I wake up and I roll out of bed, I have to get on my knees And I start my day off in a posture to prayer with God. Because I have to get on my knees to reach under my bed. So I start my day off with prayer. And then when I reach under my bed to grab my shoes, there's the word of God. So I open up the word of God and allow him to speak to me and direct my life. He didn't say these words, but he allows the compass to determine how his day is going to go. And then he puts his shoes on and goes about his day. Some of you in this room need to make that commitment. That every day, this book was not created to be a once a week thing. This book was not created to be a once a month thing, a Christmas and Easter thing. This book was created to impact us on a daily, hourly basis. See, because some of us, we come to church on Sunday and we hear the pastor say something from this book. But the book never gets open on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday and Thursday. And when you get to Thursday, the enemy says, are you ready to sacrifice yet? And a lot of us give up our calling. We give up our future. We give up ourself on that Thursday because we haven't been in here. But if we commit to being in here, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. When we get to Thursday and the enemy says, are you ready to sacrifice just like those Roman soldiers? We can strike back and say, no, I'm ready for Friday. Guys, this book is a lie. It was written thousands of years ago, but guess what? You're in here. You are in this book when you open the pages and you read the words. It's not just written to people thousands of years ago. It's written to you. Your story is determined by this book. Your owner's manual knows exactly who you are, why you were created. Some of you have been searching for your identity for a long time when the answer has been in here the whole time. 
Your owner's manual is a chemotherapy to this cancer called sin. And guess what? I'm going to say something in here that I hope hits you as much as it hits me. The words in here are stronger than the enemy. The words in here are true when the enemy only says lies. So when you read a word in here and it says you are saved and you are set free, you are no longer chained by sin, that is truth. No matter how much the enemy tries to tell you opposite, that's truth. When you, when you read in here and it says you are loved and cared for and adored by the creator of the universe, he would have died just for you, that's true. Our owner's manual is also our compass. When we read this, our direction should change. When you read this and you allow that chemo and that identity of your owner's manual to impact your life, your direction should change. I worshiped a God called football once. It was everything to me. After three knee surgeries and it was taken away, the doctor said, you'll never play again if you want to walk again. I said, well, I don't need to walk. No, I need to walk. But I gave my life to Christ, and as I continued to read this word, the God of football went away, and the God of the universe won the day in my life. And I've never lived my life the same again. People in this room, if you hear one thing I'm going to say to you, there is power in this book. Maybe some of you need to listen to Denzel. Start your day off in here. Would you pray with me? Before I pray, I just want to know who I'm praying for. So if every eye could be closed and no one looking around. First off, I just want to, I, I, I feel like it's my calling to give this opportunity wherever I go. There's some, there's, there might be somebody in this room who came in this room and is far from Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to him or maybe you did a long time ago and you've, you've turned away and your life looks like a mess. And you came here looking for an answer. And today, you're saying, I need to read my owner's manual. But first, I need to give my life to Christ again. I need to give, I need to give everything in me, either for the first time or again, to Jesus. I'm tired of letting the enemy rule. Amen. If you're in here, you say, Shane, I've been a Christian for a while. But like you said about that sin problem, I have one of those. I have a sin issue in my life that the devil is using to convince me to give up things and try to control me. And today I want to commit to getting into my chemotherapy and allowing God to work in my life so I can be set free from that sin. If that's you, could you just raise your hand? Amen. Amen. And the last thing I'm going to ask is this. If you're in this room and you want to make a commitment that every day you're going to get into the owner's manual and find your identity, find your cure to your sin problem, and find your compass. And this year is going to be different. This year, I'm not just going to leave my Bible on the, the, the table in the, the, the entertainment center or wherever you leave it, but this year my Bible is going to get used. This year I'm going to open up my owner's manual. If that's you, would you just stick your hand up in the air? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we praise you for who you are. We thank you for the word of God you've given us. 
I pray that we would leave this room different than we came in. I pray for Adventure of Natomas, Father God, that the years ahead would be the best years they've ever had. That the people in this room, that you would just speak so much life and so much future into their lives that the enemy cannot convince them to sacrifice anymore. Father God, I thank you for these people and I thank you for this day. In your holy name, amen. Thank you for having me out. Thank you.